0: Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chambers to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience, listen to and talk with your buyers, and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? all right welcome to another episode of audience first i am stoked today because i have david cross on and i've been stalking david for a good four or five years and we finally got him on the podcast so thanks for having uh coming on the show david well thanks for in uh, the, the the opportunity
1: been pretty excited when you, you know reached out and things like that so i'd love to join because uh, i think you have kind of a, one of the more kind of organic and, and kind of uh, really lively kind of conversations. And those are the best type, right?
0: Yeah, they are. And, you know, you were mentioning before we we hit the big red button that you like those kinds of podcasts that are more organic. Why, why is that? What What is it about the more organic, fluid conversation that resonates more with you?
1: Well, in some ways, I want them to be real, right? So I'm a podcast listener. I listen to a lot, you know, because I'm a runner and walking, things like that. So I like to listen to podcasts and get something out of it and if they're scripted and this blah 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 like why you're just going to they're they're boring right and so you want it to be original dynamic have some fun and then that's why people were return to them
0: yeah i agree i agree and you know i feel like when they're too scripted it's like way too rigid and you don't see the authentic self okay or the, the the behavior or, or experience you don't feel the experiences of the guests so yeah th- this is what it what it's about on audience 1st for support super organic now i i remember i um reached out to you on linkedin and i asked hey do you want to come on the pod um i do want to ask and i'm going to start asking all my guests this like mm-hmm. why did you say yes
1: good question is um i think one of the things is uh, that i 'm kind of experienced with doing the podcast, and uh so i 'm not afraid of that, afraid of them, you know things like that, so i 'm more you know comfortable with it, to say that no one ever gets nervous well that 's a bunch of b s right <laughs> um but because I love podcasts right, and it 's a sometimes if you can kind of offer something meaningful right, then you 're kind of returning to the community, and so I want there to be more great podcasts because if uh if they 're not good ones, then I get bored I have nothing to listen to,
0: yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right, let's kick it off. Uh, David, tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? Uh, who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it?
1: Well, boy, you want the long story, or the short story. So um, yeah. I'll be a little bit of both, right? Um, certainly, uh, I'm currently the uh, Senior Vice President and a CISO for the Oracle SaaS Cloud, right? I've been here for about you know five and a half years. It's about a long time, like 17 years at Microsoft and a couple years at Google, you know, and all work in cybersecurity. So Really passionate about cybersecurity. I'm passionate about customers, right? How we help you know people uh, in that space. But really, is how did I get into this? Is that uh, I'm a veteran, right? I served you know many years ago. It seems like yeah, you know, the classic story, like yeah, you know, 30 years ago when I was in the army, you know, I did this. Well, it seems like I'm telling that story now. But the truth is, when I came back after our last deployment on the the Eisenhower, and uh, I bought the this book called applied cryptography by Bruce Schneier, right, from the Naval Exchange in, in, in Naples, Italy. And I was on watch in the ready room, the squadron, and uh, the, the, the commanding officer was like, oh, we want you to uh, to sign up again, do another tour, it." I'm like, no, I want to go to graduate school and I want to get involved in this, right, cryptography. Because my squadron, we were electronic warfare and jamming. And I said, there's something into this, and I couldn't turn away. That's where it all started.
0: I love it. Um, you know, I just, I just recorded an episode talking about the insights that I distilled from the last 55 episodes I've done. And this question that I always kick, out, kick off with, why, why do you do what you do? This theme emerges, it's, I'm passionate to help people. I love the complex channel. Like that's across the board, why people come into this industry and, and stay here.
1: I think another element I think is what a lot of people for security is that uh, I think many, you know, jobs or things like if you, after a little while, you get good at it and you start turning the crank, it gets really boring. The really cool thing, mm-hmm. which is also some of the challenge, is security is always dynamic. It's always challenging, right? It's always changing, right? It's moving quickly. And so there's never a boring time, right? Because it's always evolving, right? And that always keeps you interested. And I think it's important part, you know, for, certainly for me, is that if uh, something is just as does not change in, you know, in one day, then boy, I'm bored and I'm looking for the next thing to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to drill down into a question, which I absolutely love. Um, our space is, is full of, of issues, right. Um, that we need to improve, but what do you hate most about this industry? Uh, let's see. What do I hate the most? I think that,
1: um, well, sometimes you could say it's like politics, right? People get all riled up and have uh, sometimes don't make great decisions because I could say they maybe they don't read enough and they're not educated, and so they get kind of skewed and biased in the wrong directions. In some ways, I could say insecurity is that the more you help people to understand, right, and understand the impact of things, to understand you know what the threats are, to understand what uh, you know could be the results of like not patching then it's much easier mm-hmm. for them to make decisions because they've had a little bit of education. And I think sometimes when people just look at things as a black box, it's either, oh, usability versus security. Then people just get biased to make the wrong decisions sometimes.
0: What's your, what's your right now, one bleeding neck challenge in your role?
1: What would be the number one challenge, right? Um, I think that... It's an element, I think, is that you know, things being fast-paced, you know, dynamic, uh, changing, and there's always a load, right? But how do you, does everybody you know, keep up to date, right? If it's always changing, and you know, programming languages are changing, techniques are changing, attacks are changing, right? So how do you balance that, right? And in some ways, I think about, like, I try to do myself and guide others. is like, you got to structure that part of your role is education, right, in a mm-hmm. constant way, in planning that and structuring that. That's very important. Because it's so easy, the moment saying, oh, you stop learning, you stop, you know, kind of educating yourself, right? That means, oh, you're now starting to decline, right? And that's one of the challenges.
0: Well, why do you think, and I, I want to focus now, because y- you mentioned that you're, you're pl- part of cloud, cloud SaaS, right? Correct. Um, I want to focus on the cloud market, because I, first of all, I have a lot of clients who are cloud security mm-hmm. products. And I mean, it's all about cloud now. Everyone's talking about cloud, Right. But the, the challenges that I see is that it's such a crowded and a confused market. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Well, uh, I think one thing is I talked about the RSA conference uh, earlier this year and I said, hey, uh, it's not about if you're moving to cloud, it's when you're moving to cloud. So the reality is everybody mm-hmm. is you're saying cloud is here. It's not right? you're all going there, right? That's one element. It's kind of like saying, oh, social media is going to go away. Nope. It's here forever, everybody. Now, I think the, the element is that, which is, I think, one of the challenges, which I also try to talk about, is people, um, it's not apples to apples, right? It's saying what you do for security, what you do for you know compliance, what you do for operations change. And I think that's one of the challenges, someone that you, let's say you're an application owner for 25 years, right, on premise, and now your application moves to the cloud, you need a lot of things change. And a lot I think some of the challenges is that people don't understand and aren't educated on all of those changes and how to operate it, how to secure it, right? Because they're different. And I think that's one of the gaps and deltas that we all need to kind of serve or help with.
0: Okay, that that's interesting because uh, it takes me to my next question, which is, um, I love, I lo- see, this is the thread that I'm pulling on that I talked to you about. I yeah. had that initial line of question, but no, now we're going to go in yeah. a completely different direction. How would you describe the level of um, maturity among uh, professionals within the cloud security market, and specifically like practitioners, the buyers um, in the current market right now?
1: Oh, I think it's very mixed, right? And I think it, it depends on the verticals, if you will. So sometimes, let's say, you know, historically, financial services is sometimes the last to move, right? You know, because of regulations and other reasons. So I think there's others that they move very quickly, wow. they're onboarded, and others take longer, especially, let's say, public sector sometimes, right? Or military, right? Let's say FedRAMP, you know, think of government. How fast does the government move? I think we can, mm-hmm. doesn't matter, name your favorite government, it doesn't move too quickly, right? And so the people that are there are, if they're not moving quickly there, are they educated in the cloud? Do they know how it works? Do they have to operate it? Do they have best practices? Maybe not. And I think that's one of the things we're, we're running
0: into. How do you suggest you close kind of that gap to education?
1: Well, I could say, you know, various conferences and other things. And I, one of my, you know, meeting customers, what's my number one takeaway? Documentation, right? The thing that everyone yeah. hates. We need more documentation. We need more best practices. We need more, you know, kind of, I think the greater ecosystem help, right? Is sometimes, I'll give an example, is you may choose a vendor and it's great. It's, it's, you're moving to the cloud. But sometimes you may just need assistance, right? Sometimes you know implementation of a cloud application. If you don't have the skills, maybe you need a vendor or a partner to help you with that, and that's okay, right? And how do we continue to you know kind of build that ecosystem?
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of vendors or, or partners, um, who I, I'm curious to know who are the decision makers when it comes to cloud security within organizations? Mm. Right? Are there specific roles or departments that hold more influence in making cloud security-related uh, decisions. Well, you know,
1: I think it's a really great question. You know, I think a lot of things is that sometimes you could say, you know, companies that the CISO, right? You know, is the decision maker, but often I like to think about it's about partnership, right? I'll give you a couple of good examples. Which, uh, you know, a simple one. Let's say uh, you want to look at um, data security, right? You know, the, and you know, data in the cloud. Is it just the CISO's decision or? No, it's also involved who owns storage, right, you know, for your organization. And it's like a partnership. Also, let's mm-hmm. say, and we can go with a classic example. Let's say, CISO, yes, network security, very, very important. But are you not going to involve the head of networking or the, your networking devices as part of that decision-making? It's unthinkable. It's got to be a partnership. Yeah, so then, 100%. And so then, let's go into the future. You know, Dana, I know you've heard of maybe AI, right? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> everybody's talked about it. Now, it's like, okay, a CISO is going to control a, all of AI? No, it needs to be a partnership with the business owners, the application developers and things. Working security in the the engineering and, and business owners and application owners together, right, as a partnership. It's not just single owners.
0: So a, a common theme that um, emerges in a lot of the discussions I have, not just on the podcast, but in general webinars I'm hearing and, and listening into uh, offline conversations, is that there's not just a, a gap between the vendor and buyer partnership, but w- partnerships in cross department yes how do we how do we solve for that problem in your opinion? Oh,
1: you know one of the things I try to do, and certainly I could think of you know uh, um, a time that, uh, this was I think one of the teammate village you know kind of um, mm-hmm. communities getting together and uh, I think Kobe you know he's at Walmart at the time talking about hey let's talk about examples of it's kind of like, is it just security handles things or is how you work together with operations and you build partnerships, you build standards, you build playbooks together, right? You know, think of, uh, I like NFL football, right? Is it just the offense or is it just the defense? No, you have to have playbooks of them working together and having a plan together. And so I think that an element here is like, one of the things that we try to do is you're thinking about another example is patching, right? Is it security? Is it a fight? Is like, operations. No, we're not patching. It's downtime or security. Yes, you're patching because it's important. No, you build what I call standards, right? You build a set of standards. I know people don't like that term sometimes, but it's like a standard saying, hey, here's the criteria. Here's our algorithm, right? Is this something that's remotely exploitable? Has it been weaponized, right? Is, it, uh, is there threat intelligence about it, right? Now, so you set, a set of these things together, you know, as we're engineers, you have, you make it very really, um, quantitative and you say, okay, we agreed on the standard, it makes it easy to make decisions, right? And I think that's what it's all about.
0: Are there specific standards that you follow that are already created? Like, um, I don't know, I'm not going to throw them out there because I may, I may yeah. assume the wrong ones. But when I hear standards, I think of some, some specifically.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say uh, there could be a mixed story, right? You know, I can go my old school days and ITF and things like that, you know, and they've got things like GDPR, you know, but mm-hmm. in some ways, though, I think is, let's talk about even though we're a, we're in a global world, it's not just about the U.S., but like, you know, NIST, right? You know, NIST and, you know, SP, you know, 853, things like that. NIST sometimes, I think in the thing does set kind of a benchmark, you know, for us to start from, right? And even though it may not be perfect, um, you know, I, I think that's where a lot of people start from. And that's I, I think that's okay, right? But I think that you know, my pet peeve is sometimes it's we get... Uh, every country in the world wants to create a new standard. You know, I can say, I'm getting nervous. (laughs) Like, okay, every country in the world is going to have an AI standard, right? You know, (laughs) Um, go back to the old school days of the EU digital signature laws, right? It's like every country is going to have their own, you know, digital signature laws. Like, it became so complex and so different. Everyone's like, well, no one's going to support it, right? So that's the thing we have to watch out, especially when they're coming to the world of AI and and security.
0: AI and security uh, do I want to go down that rabbit hole or not yeah. <laughs> or not I don't know I mean what let's just quickly before we go on to this next line, uh, question which kind of um, is a nice segue but I do want to divert a little bit your what are your initial thoughts or challenges or, or, or not challenges or frustrations or fears I don't know concerns about AI as it applies to security well uh, I don't know
1: you know, if you really want to talk about, hey, is AI going to take over the world or not, right? You know, but uh, it's like uh, <laughs> I have watched all the Terminator movies, so I'll leave it at that. So, anyways, um, the you know, it's kind of like uh, I know one of your your um, your common uh, uh, guests on the show, you know, Chris Roberts. you're at Black Hat Mia, and we were all talking as we were we were taking a drive out to uh, the edge of the world, right? And you know, talking about this space. It's interesting that one is. How many you know companies are they involving security from the start or not right or let's say an example today a company is taking on a new technology you're building a new technology security development life is part of it right you do your threat modeling your analysis you know and, and, and look at that from the very start it's part of the motion you don't release anything unless you do that Yet at the same time I think the fear that we're starting to see a little bit is people are like AI is number one go really fast you know forget all the rules drive get in the Ferrari and drive and like Oh, be careful what you're wishing for here, right? Because the reason we have a security development lifecycle in those processes is to help avoid the things later, the crashes, the incidents, right? Going off the rails. So that's one thing we're trying to do is that it's not about slowing anything down and being anti-competitive, but like we have these things in place and that's one thing we really have to think about.
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, that that's a topic we can drill down mm. to at some point. Um uh, if you're open to to coming on again, we could always uh, dig into that. But I do want to go back to the cloud market because I know that uh, again, this is a hot market. A lot of players in this market, and I do want to um, uh, uh, understand some viewpoints that um, of yours that come from some of the the people that I know work in cloud security vendors. So some of the challenges that they're experiencing, okay, are um, Going up against some of the bigger players like Wiz and Orca, okay, who are, you know, at each other's throats too, right? But those are the like all-in-one solutions, right? But there are a lot of other vendors who have more specialty products. You know, they, they, they can complement different kinds of domains in security, but they also touch within the cloud security market but they can't necessarily like go up against Orca and Wiz because one, they have a huge brand presence. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of clout. They have a lot of customers. So how would you, um, let's see. Let's see how I can um, uh, articulate this question because I'm trying to change it from the unique use case. Mm -hmm. So um, can you share any insights that you have, or feedback you have, or have received from other uh, practitioners regarding the the preference for all in one solutions versus kind of more specialty tools when it comes to securing cloud environments. Yeah, David, this is this is a great question, and
1: certainly uh, I'll give you my kind of my years of experience on this one. Is um, it depends on the size of the organization, right? I'll give you an example, like say the very very large enterprises, right, or cloud providers themselves. Sometimes is that. They have lots and lots of developers, right? And so, and often you, they really need and want best of breed verticals, right? And at the same time, because they, for their specific environment, they need the best of breed that's specific to the context of their, of their graph, their environment, right? But then you're like, well, but then how does this work well with, with the other verticals? You have endpoint protection, endpoint management, and scanning, vulnerability management, and on and on and on. But they have lots of developers. They can do the integration between them, right? You know, they have the capabilities. They have the resources to do that. And it makes sense. Because sometimes I think the reality is that people says a suite, like I'm going to take the suite, the entire portfolio that has the seam, endpoint protection, endpoint management, everything together. But only one or two may be best of breeding environment. The other ones may be mediocre at best. Um, that doesn't make sense, right? Um, the other element is you think about a large enterprise said so that oh, I'm going to replace everything. I'm going to replace my C, my endpoint protection, endpoint management, all my scanners, all at once for a suite. That's almost impossible to think about logistically. Now, mm-hmm. now, now at the same time, if we go to, uh, say, I call it a small, medium business, but when I, uh, I'm not saying, oh, small, 20-person companies, but like saying medium to large businesses, you know, 1,000 like employees, it may make sense. And have it, you know, be much, much better to have the suite, the entire portfolio in their environment because they're smaller, right? They don't have you know, 10,000 or 50,000, you know, servers, right? They don't need all the specialty, you know, capabilities. And for them having, they also mean have the developers and the capability to do all the integration and that suite may make the most sense, right? So I think it all depends on the size in the resource in your company, you know, and how they matched, right?
0: Can you t- take me through some of the key factors that make, uh, and let, let's split it, like the all-in-one uh, solution more appealing to security compared to the specialty tools?
1: Yeah, so I think there's um, I think there's a lot of them. I think you certainly, everyone's going you know, to favorite. You know, Microsoft has got the suite of everything, doesn't it? Right? You know, you got Microsoft, but you're seeing kind of emerging now in the, the whole industry, you know, CrowdStrike, you know, Clawless. Uh, you know teenia would like to be that you know take, be there as well um, you know and now I say Wiz is emerging right Wiz has really kind of took over that you know leading the innovation you know in the overall scanning and posture management but you know kind of like well can they do endpoint protection can they also do you know the some of the greater you know space do they want to get in the seam space and so it's kind of like expanding that portfolio because once you reach a certain point right in the industry you then well you want to expand right you need to go you can go horizontal and adding adjacent you know, kind of capabilities. So I, I think in every environment, it's going to be slightly different, right, in what you may need. You know, I think as, I'll give you one good example, is that let's say in the, let's say you're a cloud application provider, right? And um, what are you worried about from endpoint protection? Are you worried about, you know, Windows-based laptop or, you know, Windows-based, you know, attacks? And things? No, your endpoint protection is mainly, you know, Linux and open source, right? Your needs there are wildly different than saying mm-hmm. you've got a hundred users, power users, or you know knowledge workers running on Windows machines that are getting fished all the time. So sometimes you got to look at very big differences there.
0: What are so, so? What are some of the questions that you ask vendors with regards to those specific use cases?
1: Well, I think it's certainly you know being a large you know application provider it certainly is. Um, we're always going to talk about price, of course, but we'll put that one aside. But it's like, you know, let's talk about scale. Let's talk about performance, right? We're not talking about hundreds. You know, we're talking about, even you know, 10,000, right? We're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands, right? It's about scale. It's about performance in, in massive ways. But the other one I think that many people don't realize is, you know, we are a technology and development company is that we care about what I call fl- um, flexible uh, integration. or so? Does it have an SDK, a software development kit, right? Can we customize it? Can we build against it, right? Can we, what are the APIs, right? Because we may not want to use that UX console, right? We may want to build our own tools and APIs. And that's very, very important, especially in large custom environments.
0: Wow, that's super compelling. What, um, what else kind of gets you over the, the bridge to saying, okay, well, let's further the discussion and maybe go into like a POV and say, yeah, okay, oh, yeah, let's purchase a solution. Well, an element is
1: like uh, is the the integration of the environment, right, and things like that. Yeah. And and I, I think one of the challenges, I'll say, I'll say, I think it's not just for companies like ourselves, but let's say uh, for lots of companies, is uh, most a lot of products and service or a lot of products and solutions are going to a SaaS model, right? That mm-hmm. you're they're not going to be an on premise; they're gonna be part of a SaaS model. But the real question, you know, which I the guidance I, I like to give lots of startups as well is that of Uh, What cloud do you run into? You should be able to run in every cloud, and you should be able to run in the customer's tenancy or subscription in that cloud, right? There's always the fear. We certainly, I think, let's go back to the examples of uh, European customers. Do they want their services running in a cloud in the United States? No, the Europeans only want it running in Europe, right? And they want it running in their tenancy. They don't want it running in a U.S.-based cloud that's controlled and could be, Um, uh, I'm not saying good, but could be um, get uh, inquiries, you know, from a U.S. government that they can't be told about. Right. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I think it's a very important type of uh, very important point. I like to advise all startups and companies is that you need to be running in everybody's cloud in a customer's tenancy, And that, I think, is a big part of it because on premise is not realistic anymore. Everyone's moving to the cloud, but it's saying, hey, I'm in cloud A and you only run in cloud B, my competitor. I'm not going to use you.
0: Do you think that's a, a unique uh, differentiator or is that table stakes?
1: I think currently it's a differentiator, but it will become table stakes, right, uh, over time. Why will it
0: become table stakes over time? Because
1: I think the, the fear is that more and more, um, as more and more companies move to the cloud and regulatory you know, sovereignty you know, other regions, you know, reasons, they have to have this. I think it's going to be just like encryption. So we go back, mm-hmm. what, 10 years ago, Oh yes, I'm going to get third party additional encryption and pay for it for my cloud storage. Nowadays, if someone's like, Yeah, we're going to charge you for encryption of your storage, you'll laugh at them, right? It's a commodity, right? And I think that we're going to see this, this sovereignty element, you know, uh, quite a bit. And that's the thing, one thing is uh, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, when I promote, you know, my company, but you know, one of the things that we're doing with our our sovereignties, like we have what we called our dedicated, you know, region, you uh, know, uh, cloud can be those, that, hey, you can have this cloud in any country in that region, you know, in a, in a very dynamic way because the demand is there that, mm-hmm. you know, because of global tendency, uh, um, you know, friction and other things, you know, co- countries don't want their data going outside of their own country and they can't build. Some country, countries are actually kind of small. Some of the European countries, right? They're just too small to build a billion dollar data center. There's not a billion dollars mm-hmm. of cloud business there.
0: I want to go back to um, some of the features that you talked about, which are critical, um, you know, apart from a- a- API and integrations and that kind of stuff, are there any specific features or capabilities that you believe uh, would differentiate the, the uh, and I want to, again, I'm going to split this into two, like the all-in-one solutions, the suites yeah. versus the more niche products. The, uh, I think
1: a big part of it is even though if you have a suite, right, it's kind of like the integration, you know, with other things, right is I'll give an example, like of, um, uh, you know, you get got a solution and you're scanning things like, well, if you don't connect to Jira, well, oh, you're useless, right. You know, uh, uh, those type of things. And I think this is where a lot of the startup community is kind of helping there, you know, things like simplicity or Jupiter one, you know, as management is like building those connections, even though you don't have everything, but how you can connect to others. And sometimes this is where other technologies is needed and helpful there. Um, let's see what else I would say. The, um, uh, a big element is also how it can tie into, I think, your audit and compliance. It's really hard to believe anymore that saying that anybody is going to run a business and not have any audits or compliance requirements. And how does those tie into audit and compliance, you know, systems and services? Because you can't do it manually anymore. You can't name, you know, hire someone from the big five consulting at $500 an hour and, and actually have a business, right? So it's all it's all got to be automated
0: what are uh uh, when you think about um you know solutions or cloud security providers that you adopt uh before you actually purchase them what are some of the constraints or barriers that you go through to buying
1: you know i think an element is i think for many is i don't want to get into the rat hole of you know third-party risk management you know vendor management things like that but really you have to look at is you know, what are their policies, you know, what are they doing from, you know, open source perspective, you know, what are, you know, does their, their history of vulnerabilities and other things look at, right? Is that, you know, if something becomes a black box, it's like, is that of, uh, of, you know, what are you using? What is your licensing? You know, what open source you're using? How do you do patching, right? What's your vulnerability history? You want to look at those type of things because you want to know, do, am I going to put something in place that is a liability, right? But uh, so, so I think there's some of the things that jumped to mind immediately. Another element is if you look at small companies, right, you say, hey, they're very, very small 20 person company is like, are you going to bet, you know, a mission critical uh, product or service on something where a 20 person company is like, do they have source escrow? You know, you know, what's their liability insurance and you know, other things like that. A lot of the basic things.
0: I know we touched on, um, uh, by the way, we're breezing through this. This is such a good conversation. Yeah. I love everything that you're you're unwrapping here. Um, we touched on some of the challenges in the, in the market and some of your challenges, but what, what we didn't touch on is what your ultimate goal is. I think the ultimate in your goal role.
1: I, I, I think is, um, one thing is I'll, I'll say, I may have hinted at slightly is that there's always going to be competition, right? In, uh, across companies, there's always going to be competition between countries in the world, right? At the same time. We we really we all have common enemies as well, right? And one of the things I think about overall is that uh, things like common defense, sharing threat intelligence, and other types of things, right, is that how we can work together against our common uh, attackers. What I mean by that is we have various communities, like you know, the teammate village, right? Um, also, uh, we're a member of you know IT ISAC, right? And somebody for you know, the FS uh, uh, ISAC one. But uh, I'm a member of the ITI, the SAS Special Interest Group. Right? We share threats. We share threat intelligence. We share IOCs. Right? We share alerts and coming together because we have common threats. If they come after one of us, they're likely going to go after the others. And if we work together, we have a much stronger defense. And I think that's how we build that as a community. How we build that as an industry. I think are very, very important because that makes everyone safer. Makes it, it really uh, makes it much harder for the attackers and i think that's more than anything else right we may be competitive on, on some levels but let's not compete right on yeah. on these attacks let's compete on product differentiation and with that we also we stand behind and support each other when we have uh, industry attacks that are coming after all of us
0: amen i mean we we kind of touched on that uh, chris and i on on one of the wtfs i mean we have we have some catching up to do for sure so I appreciate that answer that to me, the shared defense is, is super powerful. Um, You know, before we, we hit, hit uh, head into one of my se- favorite segments, which is the, the shit list. Mm-hmm. I do want to, uh, top off this line of questioning, which is, um, huh, line of questioning. It sounds like you're being interrogated, but no, but, um, what, um, do, are there any, uh, differences or anomalies right now in the cloud security market that, uh, we could, you know, take a look at to, to potentially stand out.
1: Well, uh, a couple of things certainly is, um, as we're recording this, actually, we're just about to release a paper like the ITI SEC, you know, our, our SAS state. say we're kind of like, you know, secure by default, secure by design. Right. Cause that there's a lot of people that are still doing things out there that are you really thinking about things are secure by design, you know, secure by default. Right. And I know everyone talks about that just like, you know, Ann Johnson, you know, from Microsoft and, you know, the podcast she does is like MFA, everybody that everybody, MFA, multi-factor, must be mandatory everywhere, right? Everybody, even though we keep hearing it, we're tired of hearing about it, we've got to have these things mandatory everywhere. Um, And I think that's still an ongoing thing. I could say all clouds in my past 15 years, what's the number one attack? A user's been phished. They were not using MFA, right? Number Mm -hmm. one, again and again and again. So sorry to keep ranting on that one, but I wanted to
0: No, no, not at all.
1: Another element... um, uh, I think of is how we we do more of customers of you know collecting logs, analyzing logs, and those type of things. Right? Is that not everyone um, uh, thinks about as they move to the cloud? You know, who is in control of the logs? So the SaaS in providers and cloud providers do lots of things, but then you, it's not completely okay. I do nothing. I just get the application, and I think it's one of the things I talked about RSA and others is that. Uh, companies need to help them, And sometimes they may need uh, other vendors to help them with that. And I think there's some great ones. So I, got, I know one that uh, is helping a lot of companies like Mitiga, right, is helping customers that say, like, you got the SaaS service, but they don't have the expertise in the cloud or how to manage the logs or analyze them. Well,
0: use a vendor to help them with that. I love it. I love it. All right, let's, uh, let's shift into the shit list. What's the worst thing you've experienced from a vendor? Go.
1: The worst thing I experienced from a vendor, I'm going to say, well, I haven't been doxxed. I'm, I'm going to jinx myself here, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the worst thing is that when, oh, this is the one my paper, went, sorry, is that, yes, I block them from my phone. I block them on my mobile, right? What they do, <laughs> they call the company's operator and look up, my, ask them to look up my name to reach my corporate phone. They realize that, well, they can't tell it's me because it's just coming from the corporate operator number. I'm like, ew. <laughs> I mean, bad word, but man, they never do.
0: Uh, w- you're allowed to curse on this podcast. I mean, have you seen, what the fuck did I just read? Yeah. it's just, Oh my
1: gosh. But sometimes you got to laugh like, oh, they were clever. Good one, Matt. But then like, how do I block it? So pretty much now I get to the point of like, okay, the operator's calling me. It's a vendor. It's nobody inside the
0: company. Mm-hmm. What's, um? so what? what's the alternative? Like what's the best way to approach you? Well, I think the element is,
1: I think of, of how they make themselves available to know that there's you know to i think like a a sage tap right they're doing things like that saying hey you make yourself easily available in an anonymous way right it's like great if i want to learn about that i can do it in a safe way and easy way right but uh just don't come knocking on my door right because you pretty much i think they don't realize sometimes is that like the CISO community we're a community right and you mm-hmm. really do something bad to us, we're going to share with our peers that you're not the one to deal with. And I think word of mouth can mm. spread pretty quickly and not just on social media.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. We have 55 episodes attesting to that for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's flip it on its head. What's one thing a vendor has done that, that's made you feel good? What worked for you?
1: Well, I think um, I think there's an element is that of how they... I think the thing I like the most is they understand your business, right? They really want to understand what your problem is as a pain point. Because so I think about to our customers is like, I want to know what is their pain point. What is their business? How can I help them make their business successful? So I do the research to understand them, right? You know, and there's a vendor that says they have no clue that, oh yeah, let's have a uh, Windows Defender running in your cloud. Like we don't use Windows Server. You know, you're useless, right? <laughs> don't talk about that, Right. So that's maybe one of the best practices I always like to give.
0: Well, how do, how do people go about doing that? How, what's the best way to, to research, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think there's an element on, um, I think there's an element, there's a lot of good communities out there, right? You know, I think of, um, I don't want to mention, there's sometimes that uh, they're mixed stories. There's government vanta, the cyber risk in alliance, right? There's the conferences and things like that, is that. You can find people and connect with them, and that's opportunities. But you know, do the research. Re- you know, reach out. But just don't, just don't, uh, you know,
0: cold call people. Mm. Yeah, one hundred percent. I love this. This, I mean, we breeze through it, but we have so much great information here that I'm so excited to unpack in the distillation of this uh, podcast episode. Um, David, we're we're towards the end of the session now. Before we sign off, is there anything that you want to impart on the audience today?
1: The the last thing I'm going to say. Outside of, hey, you can tell i a world traveler I miss some of you know, your, your other guests like Chris Roberts. You know, check out my blog, davidcrosstravels.com. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing that I could say I always like to end is, you know, um, I'm a veteran, right? You know, and uh, like many in the community. And one thing I really like to promote is that there's a cybersecurity talent gap, right? And there's a lot of people out there. And one of the things I really like to encourage lots of companies is look at the veteran community, right, that they come with a lot of principles, honesty, integrity, passion, willing to learn, you know, they know how to operate under fire, right? A lot of times you're trying to bring in talent, especially some of the junior positions, you know, your SOC and things like that. The military veterans can see some of the best people to bring in. They could bring in so much to your company. And I really like to promote that and share that.
0: I love that. We're going to drop links in the uh, show notes of this episode. David, it has been an absolute pleasure. You are always welcome to the show.
1: Let's get it scheduled. The next one, I really like. I, I love to do it, and you know, I've been following you in a, kind of your your podcast. They're very, you know, they're really kind of dynamic and fun. So um, I'm really kind of honored that I could be part of this one.
0: Oh man, I'm honored that you know, I'm flattered. I'm that you've been listening, and and the feedback is is absolutely valuable to me. So thank you again, and thanks to all our listeners, uh, we appreciate you. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.